Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Today is the third in a series called Minimalist Living. You'll hear from minimalists living on boats, New York City, converted van living, and on today's episode, traveling the world with Jessica Suiro. Jessica and her family are currently living on a sailboat in the Mediterranean. She and her family have visited 70 countries in their quest to provide a global education for their children while building a deeper bond as a family. They document their adventures on their YouTube channel, World Towning. Jessica shared how she has had to remain minimalist throughout their many world travels and how living this way has allowed her family to prioritize relationships and experiences over things. But before we get to the conversation, I just wanted to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review on iTunes is the best way you can help this podcast succeed and grow. I also wanted to remind you to pre-order a copy of my upcoming book, Minimalist Moms, Living and Parenting with Simplicity. Only 14 more days until the book releases to the public, and I'm so excited for you to read it. I've included a link in the show notes for you to find it easily. Again, thank you to everyone who supports The Minimalist Moms by listening, leaving the ratings and reviews, and following along on social media. It means the world to me, and I look forward to continuing to see this community grow. And now for my interview with Jessica. Jessica, thank you so much for joining me on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited for this conversation. You're going to share about your lifestyle, traveling overseas, and all the countries that you've been to. Before we get into all that, I'll allow you to introduce yourself. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Um, And I'm incredibly excited to be on this podcast because we consider ourselves minimalists um, and we've evolved over the years, and especially as travelers. So I'm excited to kind of dig deeper into that. And my name is Jessica, as you mentioned. I am um, an American who's been living outside the United States since 2014 with my partner and our two children. We have an online business that's in the travel realm, which at this point is paused right now. We have been homeschooling two kids for those six years. And I don't know how many countries we visited because I never keep track of them, but we've been on, I don't know, four or five continents and probably about 60 to 70 countries. We've traveled by backpack, by RV, uh, by train, by bus, by plane, and now we're currently living on a boat. Oh, you're on a boat. We are. <laughs> oh, my word. And where are you on a boat at? Are you allowed to say? Yes, I am. We're okay. in the south of France right now. Oh. So we are in a pretty um, a pretty strict lockdown right now. So although it sounds kind of wonderful and glamorous, it's pouring rain here. And we cannot go more than 20 kilometers from home only for exercise. And that's it. So there's no socializing, no restaurants. Absolutely nothing is open. But um, we're making the most of it. Things could be a lot worse. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad that you talked about your minimalism and how that's kind of impacted your journey. I'm assuming that you would have to be minimalist if you're traveling that much. But I want to get into going back to the beginning. What prompted you guys to start to travel the world? 
Um, my husband and I have always loved traveling, and we had always wanted to live abroad um, as a couple and as a family. But the real catalyst for us to start traveling full-time was our children, 110%. We lived this lifestyle because of them. And there are a couple of reasons why we chose this lifestyle and why we've continued in it. One is that we just wanted to spend more time as a family. Our life in the U.S. was very much in the rat race, ships passing in the night, and just not enough time with our children. And we only get them for, you know, 18 years, some a little less, some a little longer. And we wanted to kind of really hyper-focus on our time with them. We also wanted to make memories over buying stuff, and that's kind of where the minimalist part falls in there. We were never huge consumers, but we wanted to consume less and focus more on creating those moments that our children would remember over buying stuff. And so travel just felt like kind of a natural path for that. And then also we wanted to educate them about the world in the world rather than than through textbooks and stuff like that. Um, and it just felt like the, the right path for us. And that's kind of, that's how we ended up, you know, becoming full-time travelers. It started off as a one-year adventure with the dream of making it a long-term lifestyle change and choice. and they were a little over six years now and we're still at it. So Gosh. fingers crossed we continue on. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is just so cool. My husband and I talked about that because he is a teacher. And so I'm a stay-at-home mom right now. And I figured, why not do that during the summer? So we were trying to figure out how to do that with our kids. Obviously, that's not happening right now with the lockdowns and such. But we do have dreams of in the future maybe doing that at some point. But I'm curious to know what is difficult about this lifestyle? And then what would you say is easier? I can think of a few things off the top of my head that I would assume, but I want to hear it from you. What do you think? We'll go with what's difficult, more difficult in living the same okay, lifestyle. Okay, so, so what's difficult, and this has been difficult from the beginning, and it's difficult each time we transition into a new style of travel, is the management of everyone's emotions and how they're adapting to the changes in our lifestyle. We can all, you know, we did all the research and checked all the boxes and was like, okay, we've got the insurance, we're understanding how to educate, we're understanding how to do this and that. But what we didn't factor into it when we left the United States for what we thought would be, you know, rainbows and monkeys and great coffee in Costa Rica was that we were completely changing our way of life, our normal. And we just never really thought about how that would impact our family. And it did impact our family tremendously. The kids, not so much, but Will and I, when we left, we were in our early forties and we had a certain path in life and we had certain roles and certain responsibilities. And we just kind of threw up those up in the air and shook them all around. And then they came down on the table and I was working from home for probably a decade. Then we moved to Costa Rica. Now all of a sudden he's working from home with me. We're homeschooling a kid. Things are breaking down. Three of us don't speak the language. And the hardest part was how do we deal with these emotions? How do we live intentional? How do we honor these emotions without at the same time kind of losing our mind because we're struggling to adjust to this new normal. And that has been consistently what I would consider the hardest part of this journey is that each time we transition, and when I say transition, the first couple of years we lived for nine to 12 months in one location, and we kind of got that down pat, and we, it was our, our normal. Then after that, we decided, well, let's, let's do something kind of crazy. So we bought an RV, and we traveled around Europe for two and a half years in the RV. So that transition, we had a whole other set of emotions to deal with a smaller space, homeschooling two kids now. We had started our own business at that point. And 
everything was kind of shooken up again. And then just recently, we tra- changed that lifestyle, sold the RV, and bought a sailboat. And now we're learning to sail as a family. We're in a bigger space, but there's more responsibility. There's more risk involved. There's more fear. So overall, you kind of you can see the theme that it's not necessarily the travel. It's managing everyone's emotions and feelings and honoring what they're feeling when we make these changes in our lifestyle to a new style of travel, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So one of the other things I was thinking that's difficult is what about kids, your kids' friendships? How are they, I guess, meeting that need outside of you guys? That's a fabulous question and one we get all the time. And so I'm going to answer that pre-COVID, and then I'm going to answer post-COVID because it's incredibly different. And I think a lot of the listeners will be able to relate to this and it will, it'll also kind of normalize how we're living and that we're experiencing the same things that other people are experiencing. So when we left the United States, our kids were seven and 10. At that point, we were in charge of the social and making sure they were getting enough social. They were too young. They didn't have technology. They were too young to call up friends or email or text or all that kind of stuff. They weren't just going to go to someone um, in a play group or at an activity in Costa Rica and say, hey, you want to come over and play? It just, they weren't doing that at that age on their own. So Will and I um, made the decision that that was going to be our responsibility. And it was, it was a lot of work, to be honest. We wanted our kids to still have social. We wanted our kids to be able to uh, meet local kids wherever we were and not just only hang out with Americans. Not, not that we're against hanging out with Americans, but we wanted more diversity in their life. So all, people from all walks of life. And in order to do that, him and I had to be very proactive. So we would do things like, for example, when we moved to Ecuador, we moved to Ecuador after Costa Rica, our son was attending a French and Spanish school there while our daughter was being homeschooled. We, um, we, Two weeks, three weeks into the school year, we'd only been living there three weeks, we sent an invitation to every kid in the classroom, in our son's class, to come to a party at our house, bring their parents, bring the kids, everyone come. And that's kind of something we had to consistently do as we moved to different countries. One school was, one kid was in a school, or if one kid was in a dance group, we would just host a party at our house. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the countries, we didn't speak the language, like for example, in France, we didn't speak French. We just invited people over, we used Google Translate, you know, we hacked it as best as we could. Um, when we were in Ecuador, I didn't speak any Spanish, so it was really difficult as well. Um, but we just kind of worked our way through it because we were really committed to the social aspect of it. They were not necessarily saying we want social and we're craving it at that age, but we knew that they needed it. And we were really scared coming from this kind of traditional lifestyle with our friends all over and they were in a traditional school that we wouldn't be able to meet those needs. So we were able to meet those needs really, really well with our strategy to basically throw parties. And then the people that wanted to be friends with us were friends with us. And the ones that are like, these people are crazy and have a crazy lifestyle. You know, they just never came to a party again, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, After that, we moved into the RV. The RV became a little more challenging from a social aspect because we were not in places for long periods of time. So we had to make, at that point, we had been living outside the United States for three years and we had friends all over the place. We also had spent a year living in France. So we had friends in France. We had friends scattered all over Europe. So again, Will and I had to make a lot of effort if we were going through a certain area to say, okay, we're going to go three hours out of our way and we're going to visit this friend and we're going to spend the night at their house or maybe spend two or three nights so that we can get the social. Uh, We always had our RV door, I guess, open for guests to come visit. We would go out of our way to a specific campground that had cabins so we could park our RV and friends could come and stay in cabins. 
So we kind of, we basically hacked our way through the social aspect of it. We clearly met other travelers. So if we would need another traveler along the way, we would hang out with them for a couple of weeks. And this worked really, really well for us. And I can't, I guess I can't stress enough. And I think anyone listening to this understands that kids need social um, and our kids do too. They just don't always necessarily need social of the same gender and the same age. So what our kids have kind of gained from this experience is that they have hung out with kids older, they've hung out with kids younger, they've hung out with kids where they didn't even have a common language. So it's worked out really well and been, frankly, quite seamless. And now that they're older and they have social media, they're able to keep in touch with these friends that they've made along the way through through social media, through Zoom calls, um, through meeting up different places. You know, we, uh, we have a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old. So before COVID, they could hop on a train and go visit a friend in a different part of France if they wanted to. Now, in you know, in comes COVID in 2020, and like everyone else, they are starving for social, and so are we. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in the south of France. We have a ton of friends that live here. We have friends that have wanted to come visit in 2020, and we haven't been able to to do that. So, like everyone else, we it's funny that you bring this up because we were just having dinner before we got on, uh, you know, on this chat between you and I, and the kids are saying, "Gosh, I'm really missing people." And this is this is usually a weekly conversation with us, mm-hmm. um, and we were saying we are too, and they're saying, you know, we're meeting with our friends on Zoom and stuff, but it's just not the same as meeting up with friends or going to a movie or the train. So I won't, I won't, you know, I won't harp on that too much because I think everyone understands that aspect of it. Um, and because we put so much emphasis on the social and maintaining social relationships when they were younger, they're able to do it on their own. It just took, it took a bit of a transition for Will and I because we were not used to making friends um, that way you know, from how we made it as children and as young adults. And also we were not, we're not really, we are now, but when we first started traveling, we weren't used to having relationships that we might actually be friends with someone we've never met in person. You know, now we have that and our kids have that. And then one other thing I think is important to mention, there was a point a couple of years ago where our daughter, who's a heavy reader, wanted, she wanted more friends that were readers. Mm-hmm. And so we sat down and we brainstormed of different ideas of how she could how she could get this because she wanted to have conversations about books and a lot of her friends at the time were not heavy readers. She loved them, but she wanted to have different conversations. So she started an online book club Mm -hmm. and then the online book club turned into a business. So there's all kinds of different ways you can do it. And if you're committed to it, it's possible, but it's definitely, I think it takes definitely more effort and more time if you're traveling full time. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that people listening, I know that this type of lifestyle is not going to be for everyone. I totally get that. I think that this is just really fun and fascinating to hear your experiences. But that said, the reason I asked the friendship question, I think at the end of the day, what we're teaching our kids in making friends and socializing them you're really just learning cues on how to be an adult and pursue those things on your own. You're teaching, your kids are learning empathy and understanding and social cues, no matter who they're coming into contact with. And it's not like, I mean, we're taking COVID out of it, but outside of that, they're coming into contact with so many different types of people. And I think that that's just so wonderful. I think that it's, there's so much of a benefit there. In 2021, it's definitely okay to talk about our mental health and happiness. 2020 was interesting, so let's just do a mental health check-in. How are you really, and what do you need right now? Humans are not meant to keep everything inside. It makes us sick, and therapy helps. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. 
Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress, whatever it is that you need, don't be ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 24 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. See if it's for you because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Minimalist Mom listeners get 10% off the first month at BetterHelp.com slash Minimalist. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Minimalist. All right, so what would you say on the flip side has been the easiest for you guys? This is going to sound crazy, and I know some people are going to go, what, when they hear it, but traveling with teenagers. We have a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old, and even preteen, it became so much easier traveling with them because all of a sudden, we were traveling with many adults who knew how to do this, who understood, who didn't, you know, as adults, we can sometimes get fussy and complain about things. They never complain. They're strong. Their brains are like sponges. They just get things so much faster than we do as adults. Mm -hmm. So that right now is the easiest part about our travel life is traveling with two young adults. Yeah, no, that actually makes a lot of sense because with little kids, there's just so much that you have to do for them. You put your shoes on. I mean, I know you had a seven-year-old at the time. You didn't have to put his or her shoes on. (laughs) But yeah, it does make it so much easier when they're able and capable of doing that. I'm noticing that just in my own life, just seeing my six-year-old help me with my one-year-old. So I can see how that would be much more beneficial when you're traveling across the world. So Absolutely. My next question for you what would you say to encourage other people to do the same? So I guess my big, my big piece of, you know, takeaway or advice for anyone that kind of, that wants to live a full-time travel lifestyle, or even just go on maybe a six month or one year, even a summer sabbatical would be to make sure you plan properly and you do all your research so that when you take off on this adventure, you actually get to enjoy it and continue the amount of time that you originally set out to do. What we see a lot is we see a lot of people who say, I'm going on a one-year adventure and they get out and six months later, they're home because they've treated this adventure like a vacation and they've lost or spent all their money in the first six months. They still had a fabulous time, but they're a bit disappointed that they're going home earlier than they had. So I guess my suggestion would be to make sure you plan properly. Um, I know it's easy to say, let's just do this. Let's just, you know, sell everything and we'll leave in six months, but make sure you give yourself time to adjust and also make sure you have really deep conversations with those family members about what they're excited about and what they fear and also what you fear as a parent. I think it's really important to be honest because there's no way that you're going to go into a lifestyle like this, or even if you're just going to go, like I said, for three months or six months without any fears. And there's just no reason to pretend to your kids that you have no fears. You know, maybe you're fearful of going to a place where you have to learn a new language, or maybe you um, have some sort of an allergy, like a dairy allergy, and that concerns you. Or maybe you're concerned for your kid that's an introvert. Like all of those things should be really talked about in the family 
before you take off. Because if you don't talk about them, they will rise to the top and usually in the most inopportune time, right? Mm -hmm. You're in the middle of Paris and all of a sudden someone's having a complete meltdown. An adult, this can happen with an adult as well, (laughs) because there was something that's been bothering them that they didn't address, you know? So I think, and not even just with travel, like with anything, I think it's really important, especially after everything we've learned in COVID times, to live your authentic life and live it intentionally because I think COVID has taught us that at any point, you know, that can be put on pause or taken away. And why, you know, why wait? Why not start pursuing it, researching it now, right? While we're on this pause, take the time to learn that new skill or research travel or whatever your dream may be. Absolutely. Well, this was great. Where can listeners find you if they want to connect? They can find us um, or World Towning on all social media. We also produce a YouTube channel once a week. We share videos about all our different travel adventures. So if anyone out there has the dream of sailing, they can come join us as we learn. We know absolutely nothing about sailing. So we have a boat. We're starting our sailing lessons next month and we're sharing everything right from the beginning, you know, and we're not, we're not candy coating anything or pretending that we know more than we, we do or covering up the fears. You know, we're sharing kind of all of that. And I think it would be quite useful for someone if they want to, you know, try out that journey, maybe next in their path of adventures. Yeah, I actually, while we were on the call, I just went to your YouTube channel and subscribed. I can't wait to watch your videos. I'm excited. Thank you so much. Yeah, now that I have just a little bit of a background, I feel like I can dive right in. So I'm excited. Awesome. We'd love that. Yeah. Well, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what is something that you're simplifying right now, aka what is your minimalist moment of the week? Um, Right now, I guess it would probably be ongoing for several weeks is because we're on pause and we have a travel business, I have been trying to figure out processes to streamline, um, basically to streamline processes that we have so that I'm spending more time building our group trips and working on things that I enjoy rather than kind of doing admin work. Yeah, that makes sense. I have a lot of business women that are on the show that talk about the same thing. Just getting everything streamlined makes it so much easier on a weekly basis and monthly basis. Absolutely. My last question for you, we have 6% left on my computer, so I think we can get this in. (laughs) What is something that you can't stop talking about? Um, Travel. I can't stop talking about it because I'm going to, to be completely transparent, we are, we are full-time travelers at heart and our soul craves culture and engaging with people and being out of our comfort zone and not understanding languages and foods and all that kind of stuff. And that we haven't had this year. So I am craving travel. I am craving to just go someplace where I am completely out of my element. Mm, Yeah, I absolutely love travel too. I cannot wait to get back to it. It'll be wonderful when we the world opens back up at some point. So, well, you've encouraged me to really pursue that summer getaway like we've been talking about. I just, I see that it can be done and I hope that we're able to do that at some point. And I hope that other listeners, if they are feeling that little spur of emotion tugging at them, that maybe this would influence them. So I appreciate you sharing your story with us. Thank you, Diane. I just want to add one little thing there. Yeah. Just to plant plant a little seed. Sure. Our adventure started with a summer in Paris, and then we came back and said, we're selling everything and we're going to go. So beware, that might happen to you. <laughs> I, I feel like my parents would be really sad and miss us, but I am not opposed. So I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> to be continued. Right, right. Take them with you. Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. 
What did you think of the interview? You can be a minimalist anywhere because it is a mindset. You can slow down, be content with little, and value doing and being over buying. How did Jessica's experience inspire you? I'd love to know. I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.